Welcome to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour. This is our fun food and drink focused podcast uh, recorded remotely from four different living rooms right now. Uh, and happy to be doing this and happy to be here for you all. Uh, with me as always is uh, Troy Johnson. Troy, what's going on with you today? Technically, this is not my living room. This is the attic where I store all the bodies. Um, oh. and, well, I share this attic with a, um, a precocious nine-year-old who you know claims is my daughter. Um, and she, you know, I have the little teepee here. It's pink. You know, I've got 14 giant stuffed animals. You know, it's really funny because one <laughs> of them is, is a rainbow unicorn that looks out the attic window, but the unicorn looks kind of depressed as if it's looking into its future. And I'm like, I get it, unicorn. I get it. Like me and the unicorn bond over this despondency every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see the unicorn in, in person next podcast recording. I'll bring it on the podcast like a, for sure. Yeah, background. <laughs> really in-depth uh, interview with that and with us awesome writer at san diego magazine as well is marie tucko marie you are actually i guess not in your living room because i see office stuff behind you <laughs> i came into the office i uh, needed an escape uh working from home i never imagined that i'd be happy to <laughs> you know c come into the office and just get a change of scenery but here i am um just a couple designers are here today and that's it Sometimes a, cork, a good cork board can be like Prozac, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, you just need a couple like stacks of magazines, some Rolodexes and a cork, cork board, and it just kind of resets your frame of mind. Exactly. <laughs> and it got me out of sweatpants too, so that helped. <laughs> I'm wearing a collar today. I was like, I figured I'd dress it up for you guys. <laughs> I noticed this. It's formal day on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Totally. Told well, so I've showered since like March. <laughs> <laughs> well... Also, uh, this week, we are honored to have a super cool special guest. We have Tommy Wynn, who's the owner of Cross Street Chicken and Beer. Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me here. <laughs> do you have an Iron Man mask behind you in your living room or whatever that is? I do. I do. This is my downstairs office, and uh, that is actually a metal Iron Man helmet. Yeah, I'm a big Marvel fan, so. <laughs> nice. And there's a Stormtrooper helmet. <laughs> You like, see I'm coming that? over to Tommy's house once I don't once I can do it without killing you, okay? <laughs> I'm a big collector, so awesome. That's great. So uh, if you're familiar with the podcast, uh, what we do is we tell you all about stuff going on here in San Diego, food and drink wise. We'll start with a little news segment called Hot Plates. Then we'll really jump in, uh, jump in deep with Tommy about all his great restaurants and his cool traveling. And then we end every week with a segment called Two People for Takeout. But so, Marie, let's get started here with some uh, hot plates. So tell me about what could maybe be the most fun name for a new restaurant in town, Gelati and Piccati, that opened up. So it opened last week in North Park. It's a walk-up on University Avenue that serves slices of Roman-style pizza and gelato. It's from the same owners of Bona Forchetta. Um, they also have a gelato truck that's been hanging out in so South Park over near the Target. But it looks like a, a cool spot. They have, um, Troy, the Roman-style pizza, that's the square cuts of pizza, right? Yeah. And then they have um, several gelato flavors. Uh, some of the flavors are uh, coconut with matcha. I thought that was interesting. I want to try that one. Uh, honey lavender, and then, you know, classics, obviously, like vanilla and chocolate. 
And Honey Lavender is a classic combination too. And if you know the one of forget that guys, and these guys are, I mean, you just hear the 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 boot of Italy in their voices when they talk. This is a very mm -hmm. Italian family. They know all of their cuisines really well. They've done such a good job with pizzas, you know, and to be able to get it in a window with a little bit of gelato, which is basically like super thick ice cream, the version of ice cream that you wish you ice cream wishes it was. You know, and you know that's that's perfect model for right now because we were, it's all takeout, it's all delivery. You know, you just want a window and some food. You know, and honestly, at this point in time in the pandemic, I might just take the pizza, put the ice cream on top of the pizza, and eat it all at the same time. I mean, I, I swear to God, that's that, that's it. Yeah, so this is going to be good. I mean, we're going to see a lot more of these like tiny little footprints, you know, from restaurants of, you know, just outposts where they don't have to have overhead and it's just it's safe distance from you being outside the window and them being inside, and you know, it's going to be a lot more like kiosks you know um even it's like the it's like an automat automat was a really famous restaurant model in the 1930s to 50s i think it was i mean you would basically go into a restaurant and they would have a vending machines full of hot food you know and that's what you know they would be basically pay you'd open this little door and there'd be a hot plate of like mashed potatoes and gravy and that's whatever you know and that's kind of what we're getting here except for with human beings behind them you know that it's like that really simple ready prepared to go for it i want to know how the owner mateo sleeps he has his hand in so many different projects it's oh like my oh my gosh it's like every other week i feel like you're hearing about something new that he's doing yeah i mean he has a nonprofit restaurant over in south park that all the the um, money goes it's called mateo his name is mateo he's got that where just all the money goes to a different charity every single month uh they started out with like a child's education fund in san diego for underprivileged communities you know it's just he's he's done really well and then done really good things with his really well you know this one warms my heart as it's one of my favorite restaurants a few blocks from where i live hannah's gourmet is back tell us about it marie Yes, it is. Um, so the chef owner, Hannah Tespa-Michael, um, she has a, a small cafe in University Heights. It's been a neighborhood favorite for uh, the past 10 years. And unfortunately, um, her, her restaurant has been closed uh, since, since March until she could come up with a new business plan. So she is uh, launching a takeaway this week. Uh, she has a family dinner program for a curbside pickup. And they sent an email out and it says that these family meals, uh, they don't involve uh, any prep work. All you have to do is heat everything up. They also have sauces and extra sides that you can purchase. So they're starting to take orders um, through Thursday for a Sunday pickup. So that's for today. You can order online for pickup this Sunday. And the website says the menu is globally inspired. So there's dishes like Peruvian roasted chicken, um, an Indian dal curry, and uh, Moroccan tagine. And the menu is going to change every week. So it's, it's great to see that she's back in business and that uh, she's able to serve the community again. Yeah, and this is what I'm hearing from a lot of different restaurants. Um, and Tommy, you can uh, just weigh in on this too. Uh, is that takeout is working. You know, I mean, it's not, you know, um, padding the coffers, you know, for a rainy day. This is the rainy day, you know. And But a lot of restaurateurs that I've talked to said that they, if they – have the right setup, you know, this can keep them afloat, you know, and that's really all we're all doing, right, is we're just keeping afloat. You're just keeping the water line underneath your nose, you know, and just making sure that you can make it through to that moment where we can go out again and you can really start to actually make money as a business owner, you know, but takeout really is working and Hannah's is one of the 
best little joints. You know, too bad you can't go in it because it's just a cute little shop. And, you know, every she has a few little bistro chairs there on the side. It's a fantastic place. And it's run very much like one of your good friend's moms is cooking for you. You know, it's that tiny little counter. And it's awesome to see her back. Tommy, is takeout working for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, it was it was an interesting t- transition to do 80% of our sales. Um, because our patio is still open. It's fully outdoor. Um, we're one of the best restaurants in Convoy to have a patio. But yeah, I, I, I completely 100% agree with that. Um, I think the delivery apps did launch a lot um, stronger than our online and, and phone calls and also walk-ins. But now slowly people are starting to realize that, hey, you know, delivery apps are definitely not helping the restaurant too much due to the commission fees and whatnot. And so a lot of our customers are then now reverting to our website to order. They're either coming in um, and also they're just placing phone up, phone calls. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. That's the greatest thing to hear from, I mean, for me, from a restaurateur, this is something that we've talked about forever. Even you guys at home, if you're thinking about getting food to go to help a local restaurateur, the thing that you do is you call them directly, or you go directly to their website, you go and pick it up, you get it delivered directly from them. Do not use those third-party delivery apps, to be quite honest with you, because during a pandemic, they, they traditionally have hit up to 30% of an order they take as a cut from themselves. Right. That is really hard on a restaurateur. Tommy, I'm sure you, you know this way better than I do. Right. You know? I, I think, to be honest, um, besides the commission fee, we our cashiers get very nervous of the drivers as well. And I'm not trying to uh, you know say anything negative about um, DoorDash, Uber Eats, um, mm-hmm. Grubhub, or anything like that. But you know, with our experiences, it was it's a big challenge to have these drivers wait patiently because, you know, obviously we want to maintain social distancing. We want to make sure number one is our staff is protected. You know, they're coming out to work, they're making their way out there. I want them to make it home to their family safely. So, you know, when these drivers are coming through our door, we have one interest in the front, one interest in the patio or one exit in the patio. We tell them, you know, um, we have a orange line for drivers and we specifically put signs up. Um, and then we have a yellow line for, you know, uh, walk-ins and these drivers are just going straight through the door, you know, and, and to be honest with you, it's a short story, but one time a driver came in with no mask and said, I don't believe in coronavirus. And I'm like, and, and I was sitting on this on, on the other side and I looked over and I was looking at my, my cashier and she was saying, um, I'm sorry, but we do. So please put your mask on and come in. And then, you know, they're just trying to stir a ruckus. And at the end of the day, I, I, I think there should be better training. I, I think number one is uh, drivers should definitely be better trained at a time like this. Yeah. And that's really true. And you think about the drivers themselves. I mean, these are just hardworking, you know, yeah. people that are trying to, you know, hustle for a buck as well. But they right. they have to be, and they have to get as many deliveries as possible to be able to make as much tips as possible. So yeah, they're in innately trying to speed this up. But in, in Corona, you can't speed anything up. You know, I mean, this is not like whether or not you believe in Santa Claus. Corona's is real. You know, and. <laughs> Sorry, Santa Claus is real too. Um, but you know, I mean, you have to take that time and slow down your business, make a little bit less money, and that's not good for anybody. But you know, I'll, at the end of the day, we all got to keep in mind what is the most important thing here. Yeah, you know, you can't walk into Tommy's restaurant, put his employees at risk by you know taking a moment without your mask and just barging through the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's totally. Well, we got one more news item here. Marie, tell us all about Conpan. Um, so the bakery um, started by 
Catherine Perez. It's been in Point Loma for 20 years. It closed abruptly at the beginning of the year, and I know that a lot of people in the community were saddened by this, but there is uh, good news. It's coming back. It's going to reopen in Liberty Station in the fall around September of this year. It was just bought out by Cone Group. So Cone Group bought the rights to all of the recipes, and they're going to keep uh, Catherine on for the remainder of the year. She's going to stay on as a consultant to teach the new baking team all of the recipes. So that's something to look forward to in the fall. Yeah, I mean, Cone Pond is a San Diego classic. You know, it's a bakery that, you know, everybody, it's, there's a couple bakeries in San Diego, Bread and Sea being one of them, and Hillcrest, one of the originals that people love, Cone Pond is the other one. It, this is the way you use power to a good effect. You know, Cone Group wields a lot of power. They're one of the biggest restaurant companies in San Diego, if not the biggest. I think they are the biggest. You know, and they've had a massive, massive success. And people like to bash on the Cone Group because they are the biggest. You know, you make fun of the biggest dog. You know, you pick apart all their traits. Um, you know, and you know, they'll be the first to admit they're not the most, you know, um, you know, perfect or, you know, they don't have the, the you know, juniper and ivy type, you know, um, you know, culinary advancement, that sort of thing. But they do a good job. And what they're doing here is they're taking a local classic that had to go out out of business, you know, um, and they're, you know, rejuvenating and they're making sure that legacy goes and giving that woman, you know, the woman a, not only a little bit of sales, you know, for her own business, her own personal life, but they're keeping that legend alive, you know, in terms of the recipes and the food that people love. This is a great example of a big company helping out a local um, company and keeping it legend alive. Great, great. Well, that is Hot Plates. Uh, just to let you know, we will actually be putting up a blog post on the San Diego Magazine website. Marie will write that up and we'll link to all these, uh, for once, uh, three positive stories. <laughs> like that. Wow, that didn't happen in a while. <laughs> but uh, so just go there to check it out and you can read all about that. Also, just to let you know, if you have any questions for us, you need any recommendations, don't hesitate to give us a call and leave us a voicemail. Our number for that is 619-744-0535. Tell us what you have for two people for takeout. We'd love it. Or if you're too shy for that, feel free to email us at happyhalfhour at sdmag.com. And now, while he's been with us the whole time, I want to formally invite Tommy Wynn with us. He is the owner of Cross Street Chicken and Beer. Cross Street Chicken specializes in Korean fried chicken, and Tommy and his wife, Grace, opened the restaurant in 2018 when they noticed that there were not many places in San Diego really serving this style of chicken. Tommy has previously spent two years traveling around Asia, sampling different styles of fried chicken. Grace's family has a long history of owning restaurants as well, and Convoy, the likes of Grandma's Tofu House and also Bing House Ice Cream. Tommy, welcome. I need to know how many different fried chicken places did you try in the two years that you were in? Uh, oh, man. You know what? I actually have the list in front of me. Uh, <laughs> no. Wow. no. Yeah. So, you know, when my wife and I uh, started, you know, building our itinerary uh, on our Asia trip, uh, we, we were marking out all these places and I can't pronounce any of them, you know. <laughs> I just asked her and, and for her, she's more of like, you know, let's go to the area where we know is very popular and then let's just walk so we can explore. And little did I know that every corner of Seoul, Korea, the areas that we stayed in was just filled with fried chicken. It was just everywhere and it was, it was like heaven for me. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge enthusiast uh, as well as Starbucks. So it was like, it was, a, it was like a Starbucks of Korea. You, you see it every, <laughs> every corner, one across the street from another, one in the same plaza. It's, it's crazy. 
Um, and, and you know what's interesting is like they're all very different. Um, their, their flavors to you know the, the actual size of the chicken itself is very interesting. It, it wasn't very you know, uh, similar in any way um, besides you know, the, the influences of the spices that they use. But I would say you know, with the three and a half weeks that we were there, I could probably count over a dozen fried chicken places. Um, and then one of them having to be KFC, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta try it by the the American original and especially see how it is overseas too. No, it's completely different. It, it's crazy. It's, I don't know if you guys uh, you know been to like the McDonald's or the KFC around other uh, countries, but they have you know unique items on there based on the on the country that you're in. So it's pretty cool. All right. So tell me, when you went when you went out to Korea, I mean, did you go knowing that you wanted to bring this concept back to San Diego? This is what you wanted to do, or did you just love fried chicken? And you're like, I'm gonna eat it a dozen different places. Oh. Uh, so uh, on, to be honest with you, no, uh, that was not the, uh, the, the goal when we were traveling. Um, the restaurant was never even in our path, to be honest. So I, I, a little bit of background, I came from the corporate world. Um, I was in sales and marketing. And then uh, right when our company got acquired and they wanted me to relocate, I was, telling, you know, I was talking to my wife at that time and you know, obviously proposed to her and, and this whole thing happened. And then they're like, hey, let's just go on a trip. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's just kind of, now it's a perfect time to transition out of that. And, uh, so we decided to build a crazy itinerary and we started traveling and with no intentions of what we're going to do coming back. Uh, you know, um, I had a good amount of money saved up from a couple of startups in the past and then also the, the corporate world, but you know, we were just saying, let's just travel. And then when we come back, we'll, we'll figure things out. So then, um, yeah, we, we were just, you know, um, enjoying our life as it is, um, without any kids <laughs> and then, <laughs> right, Troy? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I love you, Elliot, to death. And yeah, life is a little bit easier when you're, you know, it's a little bit less obligational when, when you're, you're single uh, and not, not with kids. Right. <laughs> no, and, and, uh, and we're huge foodies. Um, we, to be honest with you guys, we actually haven't cooked at home for the past four years, believe it or not. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> Wow, so you have no disposable income whatsoever left. You you spent all your money. <laughs> Three dollars. Like you're poor. Like that is awesome. No, I'm just but I you, know what. You can basically write the whole book of two people for takeout then for the. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's crazy. I, and and honestly, it's we don't spend too much because our family. You know, like they they have all these restaurants down in convoys. That's so we treat it as our kitchen. Like hey. That's what we're gonna have for dinner today. Let's go to our moms. Oh, let's go to our dad. You know, let's go to our sisters. So we we kind of hop around. So we were very blessed in that sense. Um, but but yeah. So, so kind of coming back to that. Um, you know, after we were exploring, you know, Vietnam, Korea, Thailand, Japan. Um, we we got back to San Diego and and um, you know we spent a couple months just trying to, you know, uh, again just just get ourselves situated again. Um, and then an opportunity came up where one of our uh, high school friends, they decided to, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's do a brick and mortar together. And my biggest thing about brick and mortars is ooh, it's, it's a tough one. You got to deal with a lot of different uh, obstacles, you know, coming from a startup and, and a corporate world where I don't have to deal with too much beyond, you know, what I'm tasked to do. Um, and so, you know, um, we, we started off with our very first, you know, getting our feet wet with um, a cafe on Convoy or two cafes called Up To You Cafe. I'm not too sure if you guys are familiar with that cafe, um, but pretty well known for their brick toast there. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, we decided to sit down with, with uh, some, um, some of our friends, uh, 
the, the fan brothers is what they, I call them because <laughs> uh, there's three of them. And um, we're like, hey, you know, let's, let's reach out to uh, Con and Gail, who are the owners of Up To You Cafe. Uh, let's see if they can, would like to franchise their model. Um, let's start with our cafe first and this and that. So, yeah, we sat down with them, um, speed the story up. Basically, they were working on another concept where Cross Street is right now. Um, it was called Your Story. Now, it wasn't around for very long. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that uh, restaurant. I don't remember it. Uh, not familiar. It's, like a, it's, it's an Asian fusion restaurant. Not many people remember or even knew that it was, it was there. They, they, they launched for about a month and a half. But anyways, um, so yeah, so since they were working on that concept, it was, it was draining all of their income and it was draining all of their savings. Um, and so they were saying, hey, guys, uh, you know, we'll be more comfortable just selling you the cafe outright. So next thing you know, we, uh, we owned Up To You Cafe then. Uh, we took it over. We did some improvements, menu concepts. Uh, we brought a lot of um, street food from uh, Seoul, Seoul, Korea back. Um, and, and we try to, you know, mix in with different um, ideas that they currently have with what we, uh, we were um, what's called experiencing uh, during our travels. And, um, and then at that time, about, I would say, three months after we acquired Up To You Cafe, Con and Gail, who were working on the restaurant where Cross Street is, called me and said, hey, Tommy, I know your family is in the restaurant industry in Convoy. Do you, do you, we, we need, we need to get out of here. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, Con. Like, you guys are, you guys just finally finished the restaurant. He barely launched, like, I thought he was joking around and then he, he was very serious. So then I was like, um, okay, yeah, you know, like, honestly, you guys have a, a prime location on Convoy. There's not many, you know, restaurants that have their own building with a patio and, and mm -hmm. the same plaza as our family, which is really cool. Uh, so my wife and I decided to take a trip there one night, uh, sit down with them. And then next thing you know, we just signed the, you know, we signed over the building. Uh, wow, you guys out. are, you guys work on impulse a lot. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice. Trust your gut, Tommy. You know, honestly, I, I, I always say this, you know, if it's meant to happen, it'll happen. And, you know, opportunity comes, you just got to grab it and then just decide what you do with it afterwards. <laughs> Hey, I got a couple questions with this. All right, so you bought they bought the place that, that became Cross Street Chicken, which if anybody knows it, and it's in Convoy, um, you know, and it's like this little like standalone, like you said, it's just in that cool modern box with a nice patio right in the middle of this parking lot. Well, talk to me about so your family has owned restaurants in Convoy for a long time. I didn't realize your family has another restaurant in that little little mall. Yeah, we, we there was actually uh, three other family restaurants in that plaza. So. Uh, I'm going to work my way down the strip. Uh, now, in that same plaza, it's Cross Street Chicken and Beer, and then right across from um, the parking is Grandma's Tofu House, which is okay. my, uh, my wife's dad. And then next to Grandma's Tofu House is Duty Bar, which is our grandma's restaurant. And then uh, next to Duty Bar is Bing House, which is our sister's. So, yeah, we were No all way. <laughs> You're convoy royalty. I mean, you... <laughs> uh, it's, uh, they, they grew up in the It's crazy because we never planned on, on being in the number one the same plaza. And it was hard to convince the property manager to, uh, to get us in there because they were like, your family's going to take over this plaza. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, so it was hard to convince them to get in there, but <laughs> we did the it. Fried chicken corporate takeover. Of oh, one. man. All right. No, this is now the, this is the headline of the whole podcast. <laughs> Tommy Wynn did a forced takeover of a mall and convoy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the way we did it. Um, no, but you know, when, after we signed up, you know, me and my wife just looked at each other. We're like, okay, cool. We, we have this building now. <laughs> what do we do with it? And, you know, obviously just, you know, her, she's always thinking about concepts. She's always, you know, taking notes. She's always wanting to open a restaurant. It was always her dream. And I was like, maybe let's, let's do a 
fried chicken place. And, you know, back in Seoul, Korea, there's chicken beers everywhere, all over the streets and this and that. And then next thing you know, um, we launched Crossy Chicken and Beer. We called our, my best friend uh, from middle school, Wilson, who, uh, who worked at a, as a general manager at a different restaurant down the street from that. Um, and he decided to join us. And uh, here we are today. <laughs> You're like, help us. We don't know what we're doing exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my wife was like, yeah, I, you know, my wife's actually been working in the restaurant since she was like six. I know it's very, very illegal, but, uh, you know, you had to make it by, especially in the traditional restaurant realm. I'm sure you guys are not uh, familiar with that. Um, so she was helping her parents ever since she was, you know, a child. It was crazy. Um, so, you know, she pulled her experiences in. Wilson pulled his general management experience in. And, and, and I'm, I take care of the finance and marketing and on the back end. Uh, so that, that's how we all kind of you know, split our roles. So how do you, how have you guys all as a family been helping each other out? Like, so, you know, like, uh, you know, building partitions, are you like going over and helping grandma build out yeah. her restaurant for these new changes and is your that's mom coming part. over to your place and yeah. swapping ideas? Right. No, no, it's so funny you said that because yesterday I spent like three hours at Home Depot trying to figure out how, how do I build this partition <laughs> for our mom's restaurant down the street called Friends House. Um, and, you know, she's in Korea right now, actually, um, with uh, going undergoing a surgery because due to this pandemic here, it's, it's almost impossible to get anything done if you're not, you know, suffering through COVID-19 at a hospital. Right. So they, they did cancel her, um, her health insurance. I, I don't know the background story to that. So she had to fly to Korea to get that taken care of. And so my wife and I decided to uh, just kind of jump in and help her run her, her, uh, her restaurant. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, it's, uh, they have a patio as well, but on the, but you know, it's not very big. So they needed uh, partitions to be built and, and screens and whatnot. So yeah, it was just, we, we were just kind of throwing bouncing ideas off each other too. We have a group chat where, you know, um, one of our parents or family member would ask something and then, you know, we'll, we'll say, Oh, this is what we're doing. This is what, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's very tight and close-knit community, not just only with our family, but all of our friends who own the restaurants down Convoy as well. So everybody's yeah. willing to help each other out. I love it. All right. So we, so we kind of described, uh, you know, um, cross street, how many different kinds of Korean fried chicken do you have? So right now we have 10 and we have a seasonal as well. Okay. So we like to keep it interesting. Um, and uh, we, we like to throw out like seasonal flavors. So yeah, we, we would, we, we keep our, our main um, flavors on the menu and then, and then we switch like one flavor out every now and then. So what's your seasonal now? I mean, what season is it? Is it, is this right. depression season? Is it a depressing <laughs> one? <laughs> so, you know, we actually kept the seasonal for a while now. Um, the same one that we're using right now is a garlic honey butter. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, obviously when we, pre-COVID, we had a lot more time to do test kitchens and whatnot. So, you know, we were constantly changing. We actually had a Thai basil one once. We uh, explored with, yeah, the garlic honey butter. We have a, um, it's just like a twist on a, um, a like a soy garlic type of um, wings that, that was matched between the Vietnamese style. It was like a fish sauce with soy garlic, but it was... It, I, I think the restaurant smelled really bad when, when we busted out the... Yeah, uh, the fish sauce is disgusting. I mean, it's the most <laughs> beautiful ingredient in the in the kitchen. I mean, and you can never just, buy... I use it in everything that I cook, but when right. you open that bottle, you're like, oh, oh my God, how many yeah. things died inside this bottle? <laughs> oh, 100%. The minute I walked in when they were doing test kitchen for the fish sauce, I'm like, no, we cannot do this, guys. <laughs> 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 we got to cook this outside or something. We cannot. <laughs> is there a... 
is there a specific uh, style that has become the one that's like the go-to for the community? Like is the one like this is one that everyone has to try? Yeah, so um, there's actually two. So for the spice lovers, um, our Seoul Spicy, obviously influencing from Seoul, Korea, is, is our, the number one go-to for a lot of people who love saucy, um, thicker, you know, spicy wings. Um, and then there's the other one where it's the soy garlic, where it's a sweeter and tangier base. Um, but, but, you know, those are the two most popular flavors um, that, that, that a lot of people are, are going towards. And I think, you know, with platforms like Yelp and Instagram and Facebook, a lot of people kind of bounce ideas off each other too, or bounce, bounce recommendations. So I, so I don't know if it's like, you know, people are they're just asking, our, well, I mean, our staff, we tell them to be completely honest. Don't, don't just say, you know, the two primary flavors, just say what, what they enjoy personally. Because a lot of people ask what, you're, what do you recommend this? And I'm like, be completely honest. Whatever you guys eat every single employee meal, you know, tell them that. Look at um, you. It, I mean, absolutely actively encouraging individuality within an organization. That's shame on you. <laughs> right right it has to be a corporate realm where everybody has to say exact same thing you're right <laughs> yeah no like I, the thing is it's like when someone asks me for a recommendation or when my, my wife does this a lot where it's like hey what do you recommend this and I, I i i say this all the time I'm like everybody has a different taste palette uh you can't really you know go off of what another person recommends even you know so i would say you know go with whatever you you normally like ingredient wise and then and then go from there or, you you ever thought about helping out? So you came from a sales and marketing background, correct? Yes. yes. Okay. So it, this should be known. It's Cross Street does some great chicken. You have a great product and you've got great beer and, you know, the design is cool. And, just, you know, it's just a good product. But how much did the branding, the marketing help you? Because I look at your website and I look at your branding and I'm like, that is spot on. It's just great photos. You know, it looks like a sophisticated, established brand. And you're just, you know, you're a local, just owning your first full restaurant. I, I appreciate that, Troy. That, that does mean a lot. Um, I think when we first launched, we were, there was a lot of uncertainties. It was number one, going into the restaurant industry. It's, it's, it's a very scary industry to get into. Um, but, you know, I knew that, you know, being in the age group that I am, um, marketing is everything. There's plenty of, and I'm sure you guys know this, and I love the fact that you guys are having something like this, where there's a plenty of like smaller mom and pop restaurants that are launching and no one knows about. Yeah. Um, and, and they're amazing. They're like one of the best dishes that you probably have, but you don't even know that they exist. And so I knew that that's going to be a challenge for us, uh, minus, you know, us being right on the, the main street of Convoy, which would, which does really help people does get, uh, do get curious. Um, but you know, the first thing I, I knew that we had to do was come up with a name that's catchy, uh, something mm -hmm. that people can remember. And then the logo part took us like three months. So we, we flagged down one of our, uh, digital, our graphic designer friends to do that. We went back and forth. And then, and then you know, number, and knowing that, you know, when we launch, we have to look appealing. We have to look young. We have to look hip. And we have to understand our target market, our, our demographic, and then appeal to that specific group. Not trying to just say, hey, look, we're a big restaurant here. Or, I mean, we're a brand new restaurant here. Come try us. I, I wanted to focus on that target audience. and. Thankfully, we, we hit it right on the, the nail, right on the dot with you know the age group. I'm um, telling you, if I ever open up at a restaurant, I'm gonna be hiring you for branding. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I look down there, I'm like, this just physically pleases me the way there's a website opens. You know, it just, it's like it's like looking at an iPhone. You know, yes, I know the Android is better technologically. Whatever, you know, <laughs> screw off. You know, I mean, the Apple Android. makes me feel good. You know, <laughs> yeah. no, I appreciate that, Troy. 
Um, no, it, it was crazy. And, and I think a lot of the, the local, you know, news channels and media did, definitely helped us. Uh, they were excited that we were opening and, and I was nervous because I, I was telling, um, number one is Eater from Canada. So I was like, hey, hey let, let's, let's slow it down. Let's not uh, post us yet because we still got to figure out, you know, the entire operation itself. Right. We have a lot of figuring out to do, you know. Um, but, you know, they were excited. So they posted us and then everybody got excited. And then, you know, next thing you know, we were flooded with people and I was, I was just sweating bullets every single day when I see so many people come by because I know that we were, you know, we had so much, you know, kinks that we had to, to iron out. So but there really wasn't any Korean fried chicken in San Diego. I mean, I'm sure there was, but I mean, yeah. was there a lot? Was there? there was, so there was one that I know of on Congo that was inside a Zion market. Okay. Chicken and they're family owned. Uh, they're great people. Um, I, I know they, they, uh, they, they launched in Zion market, I think a few years back, but it was, it was in the, it wasn't like a chicken and beer place. It was like a, uh, it was in the food court. Gotcha. Um, and, and their style is, is um, I would say, more traditional Korean fried chicken okay. because uh, they didn't offer many flavors. I think they offered like two or three flavors, mm -hmm. um, original, the spicy, and then the soy garlic. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, coming off of that, um, I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's, let's get the influences from Seoul, Korea, Korean fried chicken. But also, I love every fried chicken ever uh, that's ever made. So, you know, going to Louisiana and getting the Southern fried chicken from Willie Mays, I don't know if you guys heard that. Oh, place. yeah. Oh, God. It was, it was like heaven there. Um, so I, I wanted to kind of mash both worlds together. So it's, it's, it's what I'm trying to call it now, like a K&S flavor, where it's a Korean mixed with Southern flavors. So we kind of put two spices together, both the best of both worlds, and come up with our concept. Korean Not Southern fried chicken. That's, that's a nice combo right there. <laughs> yeah. The, um, tell me about, like, give me like your best day as a restaurateur. Like, what was your best day? I mean, it was the one day that, you know, I don't know, maybe yeah. signing the papers, maybe looking at your new new box. Maybe, you know, you had a, a massive, like, crushed crowd one day, and you looked around, you're like, oh, my God, we're not going to go broke. I, I don't know. <laughs> what was it? Yeah, I think it was uh, during our uh, grand opening in 2018. Um, and I think just seeing that, you know, returning customers who comes back and said, constantly this is the best fried chicken i've ever had in my life and i'm, I'm standing here i'm like for real like, <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> wow. are, you, are you are you not are you being nice because a lot of the times when you first open you know like family and friends they always try to be positive right they always tell you that hey you know this is great this is amazing and then i'm like are you guys trying to be nice and then i start to see they're, they're coming back and then i start to see that they're referring their 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 friends their companies and this and that and i'm like Wow, these these people are not just being nice; they're they're actually loyal customers. And then you know, consistently we start seeing a line out our door. And then uh, next thing you know, we we were going out to events and um, uh, you know competing with like best foods and and best fried chicken. And then when we were taking home trophies, I was just me and my wife, uh, you know, and Wilson was on the way home. And we we're just like, "Are you guys? This is amazing, guys! This is like a dream come <laughs> true." You know, like. Uh, it, it's so hard to get to our level to where we are in such a short amount of time that, um, you know, the community for sure, for sure, for sure helped us put our That's name. awesome. Now, I imagine your worst day. Now let's go negative. Let's just right. make sure that we get an uh, adequate dose of depression into the show. Um, right. What was your worst day <laughs> as a restaurateur? I mean, what was the had to be COVID, right? They had I was going to say that March 16th, the Monday, I remember that very, very clearly where, you know, um, this announcement was made, mandates were saying that we have to, uh, you know, stop dining. And at that point, you know, Carl's dad, our Carl's dad location is in the food hall. 
Um, and Carlsbad is, is, is trying to, you know, launch, it, it launched last September, but it was towards the, the fall season. So it was going down to, um, you know, um, a slow season for us in the restaurant industry. Um, and then we were banking on the summer, like all the tourism in Carlsbad and everything right. to, to launch. Um, and then March happened and, you know, we were saying, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know where we had to completely shut down and, you know, how were bills going to get taken care of, uh, what was going to be forgiven, what was going to be deferred. Um, and then we have to think about Carlsbad as well. And then number one is all of our staff. Like a lot of our, a lot of our team members you know, are, are technically full-time with us. Um, this is their only job and this is how they take care of the family and rent some bills. And I was nervous. I'm like, you know, we're going to do our very best to keep our doors open so we can continue to staff. But we take ourselves out of the factory so our staff can get in and, and be on the payroll. And we, every single day, we were going day by day. And I'm sure you guys heard this from many restaurants. You didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and so that entire week, you know, obviously consumers as well. Our customers were nervous and afraid. Um, so it was, it was a really bad week. And we didn't know how long it was going to last. Uh, we didn't know delivery apps. We didn't know if people were still going to be ordering takeout or, or coming um, coming into place of order and whatnot. So it was a lot of uncertainties, but um, I think slowly as people started to get used to like what was happening, um, tuning into the news, I think I was glued to the news like every single day, uh, yeah. trying to get the latest updates from Governor Newsom and this and that. It was, it was yeah, it was how was the second shutdown different? You know, I mean, are you more prepared now because you're like, look, yeah. I've already been through emotional part of it. I know that we can right. survive. I know whatever. Right. Is it is it better or how is it how does it change from the first one? To, to be honest, when we uh, from the first shutdown, um, and then they were saying that you know uh, you can't do many uh, dine in, but uh, you can only do takeouts. You know, you completely shut our restaurant down just for takeouts and dining or and um, phone orders. And then, um, you know, we, we were allowed to open our dine-in after that. I think it was for like, what, two, three weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, but we knew that, let's not rush into it. Number one is uh, we, as an entire team, we, we sent many messages out to our, our team members, um, to our uh, employees. We use um, a, a big corporate uh, app called Slack, and we asked everybody, like, hey, look, are you guys comfortable with coming back? We, we number, number one is want to make sure that our team is comfortable, not just forcing everybody to come back. And not just, you know, uh, because we don't know who's nervous, who's, you know, extremely nervous and who isn't. Um, but we also know that everybody continues to, to need some sort of income. So we were like, okay, so we, we had a good uh, head count. And then um, we then disclosed, decided to take the next step, which we were like, a, you know, we decided to take it, you know, one phase at a time. We, we launched our own phases. Phase one was completely do uh, takeout and online orders. Phase two was to open our patio up only for dine-in. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Phase two was to open our, our picnic tables up outside, I'm sorry, um, where, you know, no dine-in whatsoever. I, I skipped that part. We, we had tables outside where, you know, customers can freely get their to-go boxes and sit down, just have a place to eat. Um, obviously, just, you know, completely separated. Um, and then phase three was to open our patio up um, to just purely do dine-in. And then phase four was to open our dining room. Uh, we never got to phase uh, four, uh, luckily, because, you know, as we were, um, you know, launching phase three, we knew that this is this is like a, a good pace. We were getting too many online orders, takeouts, and then we were having a lot of people wanting to dine in, but at the same time, it made us nervous. It made our staff nervous. Yeah. Um, you know, just being able to walk in and out of the dining room, using the restroom, it was, yeah. So we, we it, it didn't really change for us too much. Uh, we stuck at phase three until now, so.
Gotcha. So that, that's uh, that's what I'm getting from a lot of different restaurants. They yeah. didn't open up completely. They're like, you know what? Let's just continue doing takeout and delivery. Right. But that's good enough. It's keeping people yeah. employed. It's keeping the water line at the right spot, you know, exactly. and let's not risk it, you know, exactly. and which ultimately, I mean, kind of ends up working. You know, I feel bad yeah. for the restaurants that spent so much money on the, on the partitions and everything else and now have to shut down again. You yeah. know, but anyways. No, I, totally. I, I don't know if you guys been to Convoy lately, but it's like a night market there. Like when you're driving down Convoy, there's tents in parking lots everywhere. They have huh. shrimp lights. It's it's awesome. It reminds me of Asia. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's what it should be. We should yeah. all just move out in the streets, get yeah. out of the buildings, let let restaurateurs sell as much as they want in the front of their place in the parking lot. I yeah. want like I want sidewalk margaritas. I want. <laughs> gutter negronis i want you know bike link um korean fried chicken you know i want it all just <laughs> yeah. i love it so i have a question about the chicken well okay. i i love wings wings are my absolute like favorite go-to right thighs are my number two okay and i noticed that you guys don't serve thighs you know what we did for a while um and we do in carlsbad but Basically, we use our thighs for our chicken sandwiches now. So, you know, trying to figure out the menu itself, right? Um, and, and then we, we took a lot of feedback from Troy as well because he visited us early on in the beginning. And Troy, oh, Troy, man, you you definitely helped us a lot. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I'm like, oh, please don't take my advice. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, I want your business to succeed. I'm just kidding. But like, you know, this is the reason why, like, we, we, we appreciate feedback is because, number one, is I'm new to this. You know, my wife and, and Wilson are, are very familiar with this industry, but for me, it's like I take every single weather. I'm, when we first launched, I was there every single day to try to ask people for honest feedback, like how can we do things better? How can we, you know, change what, like, what flavors would you like and this and that. So like every feedback that came our way, I did not take any of that like, in, in any bad way whatsoever. I'm like, thank you so much for giving us these feedback so we can change and do better. We're, we're not a, a franchise where we just launch and we know like our, our, our food is good. You know, mm -hmm. we, were, we were trying to tweak it and cater it to, to what, you know, personally I like. And, and you, you can't get too personal when it comes to a business as well because, you know, your taste palette, again, I'm going back to the taste palette. My taste palette is completely different from a lot of people. So, you know, again, just getting the vast majority of feedback really does help. So then, yeah, so we, we launched off with, uh, we were thinking about doing, well, we actually did a full chicken, like a whole chicken. I don't know if you guys seen that way in the beginning where we, we actually had to um, infuse it with beer. Uh, cast beer or height beer and then we baked it um, and then we deep fried the whole thing it was crazy yeah that uh, was a giant uh, chicken um, and then we we started saying okay let's just offer to be simple we wanted to keep our menu very simple so people know that they're coming in for chicken and beer and go straight to what they're familiar with the wings or the boneless tenders um, and then I was like you know what guys like I, I'm with you David I'm all about wings and thighs uh, <laughs> personally I'm a dark meat kind of guy uh, mm -hmm. I love it, and and so you know we were saying let's let's put thighs on the menu. So we launched that for a little bit, but I it, it didn't pick up traction. Um, mm -hmm. Reason why is because um, number one is not many people knew that it was it was offered, but number two is um, you know the more promotion that we did on it, people just started you know purely going straight to their wings and, and then tenders. I, I think it's just like the norm is either I'm gonna get you know bone in or boneless. Uh, mm -hmm. people didn't really care for the in-between, which is the thigh. So, you know, um, we did offer it for a little bit, but, but we, we decided to take off the menu and start and stop complicating things for people. So <laughs> I have a question about the recipe. How did you, um, come with it when you come Ooh. up with it, when you first opened, did you bring 
a chef in or did you model it after a place that was really your favorite in Seoul? How did the recipe come about? Yeah, that's a great question, Marie. Um, so when we got back and after we bought the building, we decided to open a, a Korean fried chicken place there. My wife and Wilson just literally spent like four months just, you know, doing research from every single recipe book to YouTube to like online articles. And it was them. They, they created the, the recipe from, from just all, everything that they've gathered. Um, and obviously my wife's family play, played a big part of it as well from their spices, from their vendors and saying that, hey, you should, you know, and so uh, we brought in a lot of friends and family for taste tests, testing. Um, but the recipe, I remember this day specifically, it was, it was one night we were there for like, till like 2 a.m. And my wife was like, she runs out of the kitchen with these uh, so spicy wings. And she was like, guys, I, I think I got it. And then we were like, okay, let's try this. This is like my 50th wing that morning that day. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, it was nerve wracking. We, we couldn't get it right. And the reason why is because the batter kept getting soggy after you put sauce on it. And then that was the biggest challenge for fried chicken. Um, and so she got, and so spicy is like the toughest sauce to, to stay, to keep the chicken still crispy. So she got it, uh, she came out and we all tried and we're like, oh my God, that crunch. It was, it was, it was like, uh, like ASMR mixed with mukbang. It was just crazy. It was just like, <laughs> I don't know. I can, it was a crazy crunch. And then the spice and the sweetness was perfect. And then I was like, let's put it to the ultimate test. Let's bring it into the patio and leave it there for like 20, 30 minutes. Let it cool down. And then let's see how it, it, it withstands from, from, um, you know, just cooling down and then the sauce seeping through the skin. And then, you know, after it completely like, when ice cold, I came out there and we tried it again. And it was still crispy. And I'm like, thank God we found our recipe. And then it just went from there. <laughs> I love that. The key to the success was leave the chicken on the table for a half hour and just see what happens. To oh, good. I don't tell people our secret. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> one, one last question for you here. Because um, we you talked about it taking a while for you guys to come up with the name of the restaurant. Tell us. The story behind the name, uh, what, yeah. where, did it, where did it come from? <laughs> so Crawford was, my idea was was uh, the, the first name I came up with, Chickity Chicken. <laughs> that was, uh, I was like, guys, let's call this place Chickity Chicken. Chickity Check yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously that didn't go through. My wife looked at me like I was crazy. Uh, but we were on our way to LA. Uh, we travel, uh, we, we drive everywhere to, to find food. Uh, any place that's new and open, uh, we, we're, we're, I, don't, I don't care if we have to fly to the East Coast to try it, we'll try it. Uh, and so on the way up there, we're like, okay, let's come up with names. And then we're just throwing out all of these like different like um, quotes and, 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 and puns and whatnot. And we're like, okay, why did the chicken cross the street? And I'm like, huh, well, okay, okay, that, that we can work off with something like that. And I'm like, okay, our, our location itself, we're right on Convoy Street. We're right on the corner. Let's, let's, you know, we're right at a, like a big cross street. I'm like, okay, what about, you know, cross street, chicken and beer? And then next thing you know, you know, <laughs> it was like, I wanted to put chicken and beer in our name to make sure people know where we are. So. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I awesome. guess, I mean, you ended up with like one of the oldest, cheesiest jokes, right? you know, <laughs> why the chicken crossed the road. But right. you somehow, you ended up sounding like an old blues man's chicken joint. You know what I mean? Like Cross Street Chicken sounds so cool. Kind of sounds like you sold your soul to get that restaurant. Yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> Tommy, exactly. thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Why don't you, as you are the one man of all takeout, start us on two people for takeout here. Okay, so uh, I would say um, my first restaurant that I would go to that, that I loved so dearly, uh, every single night when it was 
pre-COVID was a restaurant down uh, Balboa and Convoy called uh, Hinotes. Uh, they're a Japanese yakidori restaurant. Oh my God, that place is phenomenal. Like literally, if, if I could, I would eat there every single night. Uh, it's mm. one of those late night places where you go after a long day of work and you just sit down and unwind. Uh, they opened until I think it was like 1.45 last call. Um, so it was a really late night place. And then, um, obviously, you know, it, it's kind of hard because we always eat at our, our family's restaurant. But the other place I would highly recommend is uh, um, right down near Hillcrest called uh, Pho on Fifth. And it, it's a Vietnamese cuisine restaurant. And, oh, my gosh, they're pho there, guys. I don't know if you guys uh, like pho, but it is one of the best I've ever had in my life. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah. It's, they're right on Fifth and, um, and University, yeah. Yeah, pho is my spirit animal. I mean, I, when I make my own chicken stock at home, I put star anise, lemongrass, and lime leaves in it just because I want it to taste more like pho. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about you, Marie? Two people, take out. So I, a part of me almost didn't want to share this spot because I liked it <laughs> so much. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just stop the do podcast. It. Stop the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I want to help my fellow Islanders out. So I'm personally really bummed that uh, obviously there was no poke festival this year. That's kind of been the marker of when it's summer for me is when uh, Neens throws his amazing uh, poke festival at Valley High. And I went to Hawaiian Fresh uh, Seafoods in Sorrento Valley. They have their own fleet of boats. They catch their own ahi. And I would say their... Um, their experience it's the closest that i found here to what i will find back home just going in to a fish market or a grocery store like foodland and just buying a poke by the pound or the half pound mm -hmm. and they also have the hawaiian style with the limu which is seaweed and mm -hmm. uh, roasted kukui nuts and salt um it, it, it's the closest thing that that i know that i'll get um they also had something that I've never seen before. It said California style poke. It was just like ahi swimming in all of this mayonnaise and wasabi. And I looked at it and I'm like, <laughs> what is that? But <laughs> but I guess it's it's selling well. You know, they do have to make, you know, something for the local palate as well. But um, Hawaiian fresh uh, seafoods, um, get your poke by the pound or the half pound. And well, we should clarify here, Marie, you didn't go to Hawaii for like to find yourself for a month. You know, like, how long did you live in Hawaii? So um, I was born and raised there. I left the first time uh, when I was 18 for college. And then I moved back when I was 25 because I was broke. <laughs> and, um, but, I, but I'm glad that I went back because going back when, when you're older and, um, you know, you have more access to things and I was able to travel more to the neighbor islands. So I kind of did, you know, a rediscovery in my late 20s. And then I left at um, age 29, 30 and moved to San Diego. And then I moved back again <laughs> in 2018 uh, to take care of my dad when he was sick. And then yeah. I, I moved back in um, March of 2019. So yeah, I, I've done um, the cross Pacific move like three or four times. So, <laughs> so yeah, so Marie tells you that this is a really good poke. Go get some of that poke. I trust that that opinion far, far, far way more than I trust mine. That's amazing. Totally. Troy, what about you? Um, all right, so I want to do, let's stick to uh, Convoy, and I'm going to go along, you know, since we got our buddy Tommy on here. One of my favorite places over there is Wa Dining Ocon. 
um, in one of my favorite bento boxes. You can get a mackerel there, and they have such just their bento boxes. It's just such an elegant little place, and they've always had such great service, and the people are just amazing. But they, some of my favorite, I mean, just the flavors of all of their bento boxes are fantastic. So if you want to get a different lunch, um, you know, for a takeout, you know, go get a, you know a bento box from Wa Dining Ocon, and that's just been my standard for years. Whenever I'm over there, you know, there's a few places that I go and while dining, every time I see it, I'm like trying to drive by it and then my car just veers to the right, you know, and I just go in there and get a bento. Ah, love it. So I'm dedicating mine to uh, having dessert for dinner because in a pandemic, who says you can't have dessert for dinner? And uh, Stella Jean's ice cream over on Park. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. So I, I went and got a couple pints from there uh, yesterday, or last week. And uh, one of them is a ube with panda sal toffee. Yep. Oh my gosh. Out of this world. It, it, it's like, think of like a f- little bit of a fruitier version of like Ben and Jerry's old school flavor of like Heath Bar Crunch. Literally ate half a pint of it for dinner. And then I ate the other half or the other one I got was I got the, uh, salt. What's that? You ate the other half for dessert? <laughs> yes, pretty much. <laughs> but then I also got the salty cal- caramel corn. Oh mm-hmm. my lord! It big gooey streams of caramel through it. It was just made my day, and it's very easy to order. And so I thought that was great. But and that's uh, the same so that, people that own the pot pie company, right? Exactly, and it's right beside it. And it's right beside it. So it's just a local guy who did a really good job with the pot pie company, and you know, opened up this ice cream sh- offshoot. It's fantastic. I agree. Definitely. So that's uh, the happy half hour. Tommy, once again, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you on social media if they want to follow you or uh, the restaurant? Sure. Um, so our restaurant's social media, Instagram and Facebook is crossstreetcmb.com um, or crossstreetcmb for, for short. Um, so it's chicken and beer, basically. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Awesome. What about you, Troy? Where can everyone find you? Um, mostly you can find me at Instagram, Hey Troy Johnson. Um, you, you do Twitter too. Twitter's where I, I, I start to do all my humor and then the good ones I put it all over onto Instagram. And then I also post our stories um, that we do for San Diego Mag, which we just put up a first look at Puesto and it's kind of the story of their $8 million taco and um, Mexican craft beer project that got put on hold and put on hold. And then they got had somebody test positive for COVID and they had to sanitize the entire place and break down for a week and test their entire staff. And I mean, these people went through hell to get this place yeah. open. And it just opened up in Mission Valley. But you can see a link to that on my Instagram and, you know, obviously on the, the feed, you know, at San Diego Magazine, which is, you know, my blog post over there. But um, yeah, and then I'm just tootling around on Instagram. That's pretty much what I do, do to like keep my brain alive during this thing. I just like <laughs> try and say funny weird crap on instagram i think i like more of your posts than like anyone else on the internet i love you so much thank you because it tortures my own brain (laughs) and marie where can people find you oh no don't follow me i will block you (laughs) (laughs) every time that i've done the best answer this question Every time I've done something on Instagram and asked you and told people to follow you, you've been blocking all of them? <laughs> um, no, 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 I haven't. If it's a restaurant that, you know, messages me to get on your show or that needs, you know, or just needs promotion or needs help, then, of course, I will, um, I'll, I'll, I'll write back. But no, my, my, um, 
my Instagram's private because I'm just a, a private person. I'm just, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I just don't like, you know, putting myself out there because I'm also super shy. So that's, that, that's also why it's a private account, but no, I'm not going to block everybody. Maybe, maybe just 10%. <laughs> I totally appreciate this. He's like, you know what? Don't freaking follow me. All right. I have a I share this open heart with you on the podcast and they made me do it. And I'm here. Isn't that enough? Now you're going to get like more followers than ever. Everyone's going to be like, now I really need to know everything about Marie. Hey, Marie, you still going to accept our my friend request. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. <laughs> yeah, well, you can find me, which if you want to find me, at David Eli Martin on Instagram. Uh, but so, yeah, that's it. That's the happy half hour. Once again, uh, if you want to reach out to us, uh, have a question for us, leave us a voicemail at 619-744-0535. Or if you want, feel free to email us at happyhalfhour at sdmag.com. And one other thing that we haven't said in a while, um, you know, we would love it if you would go to Apple Store, Apple Podcasts, and give us, you know, five stars. We would five really stars. appreciate the rating. Yeah, just it helps rate us, us all five stars. That'd be really appreciated. It's a pandemic five stars. Even if you think we're three, um, interest up to four and then push five. Thanks. Yep, exactly. <laughs> all right. See you all next week. All right. See you guys.